In the name of God Almighty, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. I can still remember the excitement among my classmates in grammar school each year as Lent rolled around. You know, much like deciding what we wanted for Christmas, Lent brought with it the task of choosing a Lenten sacrifice, the the colossal decision of what we're going to give up for 40 long, long days. And the choices took on a variety of forms. Some kids would give up candy or gum, while others would give up watching cartoons or picking on a younger sibling. There were goody-two-shoes who could always top anyone else's chosen sacrifice. If someone gave up chocolate, one particular girl in my class would surely announce that she had given up all forms of personal enjoyment and that she would spend the entire season of Lent kneeling on uncooked rice in meditative prayer. <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, there were the legalistic types, those who would choose to give up broccoli or green beans with the misguided understanding that giving up anything at all qualified as a Lenten sacrifice. And why do we set aside a season of repentance and sacrifice and forgiveness? Well, the common answer we hear is that Lent is a time to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Now, Advent is also a time to prepare for the Lord, but in a very much different way. In Advent, we prepare to receive a baby with all of the excitement and the hopeful anticipation with which we prepare for the coming of any baby. In Lent, though, we prepare for the coming of the Lord not as a baby, but as our judge and our redeemer. We prepare for the Lord who has come to confront the sinfulness of humans. The selection from the Gospel of Mark appointed for today tells the story of being Jesus being baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the one for whom the entire world waited. But in Mark's Gospel, it does no such thing. When Jesus sees the heavens torn apart and the Holy Spirit descending upon him, the voice of God is directed to Jesus alone. You are my son, the beloved, says the voice of God. With you, I am well pleased. At that moment, Jesus was given his identity. God revealed himself to Jesus and God revealed the relationship that they shared with one another. No one else on the banks of that river that day had any clue that this man had just been confirmed as the Son of God, the Messiah. So what happens next in the story is a little curious. Having learned that he is the Son of God, Jesus immediately goes to live in the wilderness where untold dangers lurk, a place that surely no one would go if given a choice. 
in addition to being a place of hungry beasts, the wilderness is where Jesus is confronted by the temptations of Satan himself. And what could it have been that calls, called Jesus into this frightening place? Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a 20th century martyr. Bonhoeffer was executed by the Nazis for his work against tyranny in the belief that his beloved homeland of Germany could only be saved by a return to the Christian faith. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Bonhoeffer speaks about two kinds of grace, cheap grace and costly grace. He defines cheap grace as grace we bestow on ourselves. This cheap grace is what we receive when we believe that we may obtain forgiveness without repentance. In his words, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid to say that what he describes is often the way in which Christians approach the salvation offered to us through Christ. Now in today's second reading from the first book of Peter, we're told that Christ suffered once for all. Is that it then? Does being a Christian simply consist of being baptized, proclaiming that we are Christian, receiving a get-into-heaven-free card, and then living in whatever manner we please? Well, if that's so, then the suffering that Christ endured would indeed be meaningless and truly dishonored. For us today, and for all generations of Christians, our salvation is through Jesus Christ who brought the very word of God to this earth in his life and in what he tried so hard to teach us. And if Christ is our salvation, our way to that salvation is on the path alongside him, following Jesus wherever he might lead us, listening to his every word, striving to serve him in any way that we can in honor and obedience, because that is what a disciple does. Each one of us became a disciple of Christ the very moment that we were baptized, that moment when we were sealed as Christ's own forever. And that is when the danger began for us. Upon our baptisms, we entered the wilderness where the wild beasts of this modern world seek to devour us in ways that draw us away from God. The temptations of greed, of indulgent living, the temptations of anger, violence, dishonesty, disrespect, all of those things that are no less sinful than worshiping a golden calf as the Israelites did during their time in the wilderness. We're surrounded by these temptations as they relentlessly strive 
to pry us away from the one who has called us first. Maybe, maybe that's why Jesus went straight into the wilderness after his own baptism. Perhaps Jesus wanted to give us a true model of how we can expect to live as God's own children. And in that model that Jesus presented to us, there's hope to be found in God's grace of salvation. In the wilderness that Jesus entered, the wild animals did him no harm. And even God's own angels served Jesus in that land of darkness and evil. Even amidst this terrifying place of uncertainty and danger, Jesus remained faithful to God. When Jesus emerged from the water in which he was baptized, when Jesus was told by God himself that he was God's true and beloved son and that God was well pleased with him, Jesus understood that there was a cost to be paid for the marvelous grace that had been bestowed upon him. Jesus did not see God's love and favor to be the end of the story. Rather, entering into the family of God through baptism was the very beginning of the story for Jesus. Just as it is the very beginning of the story for each one of us. And in this time of Lent, we have an opportunity an opportunity to examine our lives, hoping to see ourselves with the type of critical eye that God may see us with. And then we can ask ourselves if the cheap grace we've chosen or the grace we've chosen is the cheap grace of forgiving ourselves for the sinfulness in our lives while not first paying the price of repentance. If that's the type of grace we have conditioned ourselves to embrace, we still are not without hope. Hope remains present in the grace of the redemption of our lives that can only come at a cost. And that cost is nothing less than repentance. Some may be afraid to enter the wilderness of costly grace, frightened that they may not have the strength needed to resist the temptations that seek to destroy them in their efforts to serve God, in their efforts to live as humble disciples of the one who longs to forgive all who turn to him. But just as Jesus saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him while he was standing in the muddy waters of the Jordan, we who have received the Holy Spirit ourselves are meant to know the wilderness of denial and sacrifice, to know the desert through which we must journey to arrive at the oasis where God's grace of redemption awaits us. And also like Jesus, our faithfulness to God will protect us in our time in the wilderness. Trusting in the costly grace of God 
the temptations that once ruled our lives lose their power over us, freeing us to share in a relationship with God that is no longer encumbered by the obstacle of our unrepentance. In our most unlikely wilderness of modern life, God offers us His grace and His forgiveness. A forgiveness that allows us to be reconciled to Him once more. And it's in this same wilderness that God will send His very own angels to assist us. Just as God did for His Son, His Son with whom He is well pleased. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.